What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Letterman Row. It is time for a game preview. Joining me today from Blue and White Illustrated is Nate Bauer. Nate, thank you for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Let's talk Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. What's going on? It's uh, it's a big week. Uh, I haven't done one of these since the non-conference schedule. Um, maybe I could have done one for the Iowa game or Wisconsin, but it just doesn't seem like it, there's been an important enough game on the Ohio State schedule. This one is not that way though this is a big one uh ohio state on the road 15 and a half i believe right now as of recording time on wednesday morning 15 and a half point favorite in happy valley the noon game yep. the, the stripe out i think it's going to be um who knows maybe <laughs> nate uh i just want to start this off your first thoughts on penn state through seven games now uh just just overall thoughts on on what the nittany lions do how they look what they are under james yeah Franklin. Yeah, they are a a good, not great team. And so, um, you know, offensively they have flaws. Defensively they have flaws. And that's true of mostly everybody, right? Uh, but I think when I look at Ohio State or, or, you know, what I presume of Ohio State from what I've seen so far this year, like it's, it's a different level. And so, um, you know, Penn State has – an explosive running game, which it has helped. It's been a big boost to Penn State's offense this season after really not having that at all last season. But they they made a trade-off, right? Jahan Dotson is in the NFL now, and they, Penn State just does not have that explosive passing element that it did last season. And so you, you kind of have this, right? I mean, I, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but Sean Clifford, you know, probably started playing at Penn State before you were born. Like he, he's just, <laughs> he's just been there for that long at this point. Um, and, and it's, and all of the flaws that Sean Clifford had and all of the strengths that Sean Clifford had at the beginning of his career are pretty much the same. Like he just, he, he there's not this, uh, there's not a radical difference in saying, oh, like he's he's a more dynamic quarterback or he makes better decisions. Like, I think that there's small tweaks, small things that he's improved on. His completion set per percentage uh, has been fairly consistent in the low 60s for most of his career. Um, you know, but it, it just it, it's it's kind of the same story of of what you've come to expect from Penn State's offense. And then defensively, uh, it's just a really, really strong defensive back group. Uh, the safeties are strong. Corners are strong. They've got a lot of depth back there. They play those guys a lot. Sometimes you'll see six and seven defensive backs on the field at one time. Uh, defensive line is sometimes okay, sometimes good, you know, but Michigan really exposed some things there, I think. Uh, and then the linebackers are, oof, who knows? Uh, Curtis Jacobs is kind of the the bellwether there. He's he's been fairly good through most of his career, but uh, at times has been non-existent uh, this season. And so he's coming off of a great game against Minnesota, but uh, Mike linebacker is Tyler Elston and Kobe King. And these guys are just a combination of new to the pro to the position, right? I mean, they've, they've only been in uh, Tyler Elston. I think this is his third year, but this is his first real time playing and Kobe King didn't really play at all last year. So uh, that that position is just it's a it's a weakness and I don't know if Penn State really expects it to to get a ton better but it's it is an area of the field uh, that that certainly Michigan exploited and um, you know other teams have have demonstrated that weakness through the season. 
So let's start with the Penn State defense. And I want to know a very simple question. Yeah. When did this entire defense go from one of the top running defenses in the country mm-hmm. in a span of really probably two or three years now yeah. to being one of the best pass defenses in the country and the run defense is bad. And so like, yeah. it seems like it's completely flipped in the last three or four years. And I'm just wondering how, how you think that happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's flipped. I think that the, I mean, certainly they have a defensive, dif- uh, a different defensive coordinator this year with Manny Diaz. Uh, they've recruited very well in the defensive backfield. Um, you, you know, it's a lot of the team and, and you know, this looking at the big 10 schedule, a lot of the teams that Penn state faces are going to be run heavy in the first place, right? Uh, that's what Michigan wants to do. If Michigan has the choice to run all over you, that's what they're going to do. And that's what they did. They ran for 400 yards. So part of, part of Penn state's identity, uh, in terms of its rushing defense this year, they're ranked 62nd in the country at 140 yards per game. I understand seven games spreads that out a little bit, but it's kind of skewed. It's a skewed number based on uh, that Michigan game. Northwestern didn't really run it very well. Uh, Auburn is a heavy running team and Penn state bottled them up very nicely. Um, You know, it's just about to me, Penn state, Penn state wants to prioritize stopping. This is not rocket science. Penn state wants to prioritize stopping the run on first and second down uh, put you into third and long situations. And at that point, they can be very, very aggressive. They are very aggressive on third and long situations. Uh, you know, in, in the one game this season where anybody really had a ton of offensive success at, against Michigan, Michigan just constantly found itself in either they were picking up first downs on first down or second down. And when they were in third down situations, it was third and short. And they just, they just, did whatever they wanted really against this Penn state defense. But I think by and large, uh, you know, Penn, Penn state against most of the opponents that Penn state faces during the season, uh, the rushing defense is fine. Like it's, it's, it's more than adequate uh, for what they're trying to do. See, that's why we have you on the show because a lot of Ohio state fans sat back and got comfy during the Ohio state off week and yeah. watched Michigan rack up 400 rushing yards on Penn State and said, well, Penn State's run defense is terrible. But really, when you look at the schedule, like you said, yeah. you know, Penn State has been good against the run. And Ohio State's going to need to be really good up front if it's going to run the ball in Penn State. I, I mean, look, to, to me, if if we're if we're doing some level of transitive property where last year's game carries over to this year's game, uh, Travion Henderson didn't have a great night against Penn State last year. But... <laughs> But, and, and I mean, <laughs> on, on this side, I've been talking about this all off season. He had a 68 yard run that changed the game. And so if he, if he has that ability to break off the home run, like that's, that's what kills Penn state. And that's what ended up killing Penn state uh, at Michigan, right? Is that was a 17 to 16 game. Uh, and um, you know, Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, both, they ripped off like a 61 and a 67 yard touchdown. And so, once it got to that point in the game, Penn State had every reason to be slower and and indecisive. That was a big problem in that game for them. But just in general, when Penn State, uh, for the most part, Penn State is, is again, more than adequate defensively uh, stopping the run. It's just they do have a susceptibility to giving up some big carries. Uh, and when that happens, it can end up changing the course of the game because they're just – they're not 
um, you know, James Franklin talks about it all the time. If, if, if you, if you're playing the style of game where you're just filling gaps, right. And, and it's second nature, you're not off balance. You're, you're flowing forward. Uh, that's where Penn state is very successful when you confuse them and can create some indecisiveness and you have to, to force them to make some decisions. Uh, th- that's where things can get ugly for them. And I think that Ohio state has the ability very much with its personnel to do that to Penn state. So now that's very good stuff. And you talk about guys with home run ability. I'm going to use that as a little bit of a segue, a transition to Nick mm-hmm. Singleton and this Penn mm-hmm. state offense. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I started covering Ohio state in 2019, my first Ohio state Penn state game. Uh, Sean Clifford was injured and some, an unknown backup quarterback named Will Levis came in yeah. and ran yeah. the offense pretty well. So yeah. that tells you the kind of the, the arc of the Penn state quarterback room. The one constant has been Sean Clifford and yeah. uh, you know, running game struggles the last couple of years they kind of corrected that a little bit with Nick Singleton. I still think this running game and you can you know tell me more because you obviously know more than I do, but this running game is an interesting ground game to say the least. Yeah. And then you talk about those receivers outside, you know, Parker Washington's really good. I like, I liked Mitchell Tinsley when he was in the portal. Uh, mm. So this Penn state offense, is it the mixed bag that I think it is? Is it as inconsistent or, you know, getting things going can, can sometimes take a little bit as I think it is, or, or am I, is my gauge correct? I guess. Yeah. They're, they're wildly inconsistent. Um, okay. Okay. Just, just, uh... I don't think that they have anything resembling the explosiveness or the balance of explosiveness that they had in, say, 2016 with Saquon Barkley, uh, Mike Jasicki. Uh, you, you know, they just they don't necessarily have that. Um, you, you know, Parker Washington is good. Mitchell Tinsley is good. They would be great number two receivers. And, and I, I don't mean that as disrespect to them. It's just... You you want to have somebody who can stretch them like they kind of duplicate each other. They do the same thing more or less. Uh, and and Penn State just has has lacked that deep threat ability to to kind of stretch the defense, uh, which has allowed them in some cases to really focus in on making sure that a Nick Singleton doesn't get going. All right, like it's you can devote those resources to say, hey, this kid's not going to break one for 80 on us like it's just it's not going to happen and so some 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 of the teams that have committed to doing that have been very successful in that obviously michigan i mean katron allen is kind of his they're a 1a 1b kind of deal right now nick singleton does hit home runs katron allen doesn't but katron allen has more 12 yard runs than nick singleton singleton's more likely to get bottled up for a one yard loss a two yard gain that kind of thing than Catron Allen. Catron is is fairly reliable in, in getting those five, six yards. Um, but yeah, if you know, for, for teams that have been successful against Penn State, uh, like Michigan, who Catron Allen ran for 19 yards, Nick Singleton ran for 19 yards, like Penn State, Penn State doesn't have another pitch. Right. Like there's no, there's no other, they've got a fastball and that's good. And you can get by with that sometimes uh, to, to people that can't hit it, but y- you got to have some, some level of diversity and better defenses this season have been able to take that away from Penn state. Northwestern was in the rain. It was like this just miserable yeah. environment. Yeah. And so how much do you really take away from that? Not sure. How much do you take away from Michigan, who's just 
who's really good. Yeah. Like they're just really good. And so you, you've got this, you've got this other set of data of Purdue, Ohio, Auburn, and Central Michigan. And Penn State's offense was pretty good against Purdue, Ohio, and Auburn. Central Michigan started to show the cracks. It was a 33 to 14 game, but Penn State was gifted field position in the, the the red zone or the fringe red zone like three times in that game. So a bunch of points came off of that. It's not like Penn yeah. State was was marching up and down the field. So it's just it's just an offense that if you know if if Penn State's clicking, if things if things are going uh, as they were last week against Minnesota, like yeah, they they have some they have some uh, diversity and they have some things that they can do uh, to 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 score points, but. If, if you're able to take away one of those elements, you're, you're just, you're just as a defense, you're just not afraid of them. There's nobody that scares you in the passing game. And that includes Sean Clifford. Like Sean Clifford's not going to make you pay if you necessarily have a mistake. Well, you definitely made sure to bring up that Penn state beat my Bobcats earlier this year. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Oh that. no. Uh, but and that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that off the air. Uh, <laughs> you, you bring up Sean Clifford and He's so interesting. I feel like he is Penn State's JT Barrett um, in so many ways. He's good. He gets you to where you'd like to go to a point. And then mm -hmm. it, you, there's a defined ceiling, I guess, in the Penn State program with Sean Clifford under center. Is that fair to say? And what is, I guess, his – not legacy. We don't need to get into a legacy question on a game preview, but like – yeah. Sean Clifford, you know what I'm trying to ask here. Just, just yeah. the idea of Sean Clifford at Penn State. Trust me, uh, you know I, I'm, 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 I'm biased, right? Like I'm, I'm looking at this without a rooting interest, and uh, so, so Penn State fans have had enough, right? They, they don't like. Thank you for your service, but you've been here long enough. Especially, especially that carries water for them because drew alar is sitting there at number two right and so you've got the nation's number two overall quarterback in the class of 2022 and he's he's getting mop-up duty he, he's played in six of the seven games of this season so that's that's actually more than bryce young was playing his true freshman year uh and so right that's all good and well but when the level of play from sean clifford can't take you over the top doesn't make you competitive at Michigan where he probably had a few opportunities to like be the difference maker. I, I always, this is a, a trite line at this point, but I call him a barometer player, right? If he's surrounded by talent, he can reflect that he, he can be, he can rise to the level to help facilitate that talent shining when he's not, when there are issues on the offensive line and he needs to be more dynamic as a scrambler or throw under duress and be accurate. It's not there. It's not, it's not there. Not, not at the level that you need to be the difference maker. And so yeah. Penn state's offensive line, we know this has had immense trouble for the past three years, four years like that. That just has been a consistency is that the offensive line has struggled uh, receiver. Like I said, Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not tight ends have been good. They don't fit the mold of what Mike Yursich wants to do uh, 
what Mike Yersich wants to do offensively. And so the, like, you've just got this weird scramble of how do you, how do you bridge the gap of this year? Right. <laughs> Until you can get to that future yeah. where Nick Singleton drew a Lark, Allen, uh, Omari Evans, you've, you've got all these kind of young guys who just don't have any experience that are, that are there. And you want them as Penn state fans to be ready for next year, because that's when that's when Penn state fans are starting to think that Penn state will be good at that elite level again. Uh, but, but you got to get there. And, and the bridge to getting there is Sean Clifford. <laughs> so there's, there's just this undertone. He, he got booed last week, right? So before the game, the game, game hadn't even started and he did his, uh, you know, the, the pregame introductions, they all put their faces up on the video board and it's like this build up and build up and build up. And there had been some conversation that maybe the injury that he had that kept him out at um, that kept him out at, at in the fourth quarter at Michigan would keep him out of that game against Minnesota. And so it finally gets to that point in, you know, he's the next to last person who has his name announced. He announced, he announces they, they hadn't even taken a snap in the game and he gets booed from Penn state fans. So, I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, it's, it's just this, this tension that exists that uh, really has not changed. I, I think that it's starting to get to get worse and, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday because he is coming off of a very good game against Minnesota. Will that, you know, temper some of the emotions and some of the, uh, the sentiment that people have towards them. I'm not sure, but it's definitely like, a fraught relationship at this point. So this is the weirdest thing about the Ohio state Penn state rivalry. I call it a rivalry. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys also call it a rivalry. Um, it It's so interesting. Ohio state comes into this game every year, favored by a lot of points. Um, and then all of a sudden you're in a fourth quarter battle. Penn state was the closest regular season game for Ohio state during that 2019 season where Ohio state just decimated everyone except for Penn state uh, on its way to the college football playoff. Penn, uh, Ohio State kind of ran away with that 2020 game in the first half, but then it became close after the half. Last year, Ohio State ran away with the game, but it was still close. You had the two one-point games. Are we looking at another, just another chapter of too big of a spread, Penn State plays out of its mind against Ohio State, and it's a fourth-quarter game? Uh, maybe. Good answer. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I think that I think that they're that I think that Ohio State probably has the ability to cover that spread. I think that Penn State's mindset as a program in this game helps lend itself to that. James Frank, you know, Penn State fans are are beside themselves because they got waxed in Minnesota or at Michigan, right? James Franklin doesn't care. Penn State football doesn't care if they get waxed. They want to win the game, they're, right? They're, so you're gonna take. You're gonna be more aggressive. Last year in that game at Ohio State, people will still talk about it. Penn, uh, James Franklin went for it on fourth and five at like the 47 yard line or something in the first quarter, and they didn't get it. And right, it it helped lead to points for Ohio State. He will continue to do that. Right. He will continue to make those decisions because they would rather go all out and win the game by a point than play conservatively and lose 28 to 
whatever, 20, you know, like, it, like, is yeah. that, is that a possibility? Yes. But I think the more likely scenarios uh, of happening and I, you know, I, I give Penn state a lot of a chance to cover that spread, but it's, it's, it's more likely to be one end of that extreme or the other of, Hey, uh, they're, they're going to either win by real close, like a point lose by a couple of points or lose by 21, you know, lose by 28, because that, that, that is the approach and the mindset that they take into a game like this. And they play Ohio state. They have traditionally played Ohio state fairly competitively, uh, through this series. It's weird that they play Ohio state more competitively than they play Michigan, because I think the talent level is, is more comparable at Michigan as far as, you know, recruiting rankings, all of that, and it is Ohio yeah. State. But the styles of play kind of dictate that too, I think. A hundred percent. And it, and it's it's actually fascinating because James Franklin just talked about it on Tuesday. Uh, that, that's the deal, is Michigan has gotten its ears knocked in by Penn State because Michigan can't keep pace. When Penn State's offense is good, like Michigan's not trying to do that. Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to play that way. He's not, he's yeah. not trying to be right to, to, uh, to, to do any, he's so risk averse offensively. They did so many things in that game. Michigan did that. were just a dressed up way of making a safe play and then having the athlete do the rest of the work, right? That's how they got those explosive plays. Ohio state and Penn state are, are more similarly built right? They're trying to, to generate explosive pass plays. They're trying to generate explosive running plays. Uh, that like, that is the identity that both of these teams want to have. And so, yeah, it's like you said, I mean, Ohio state tends to, or has tended to um, play close with Penn state, just because I think that they're built similarly, whereas Michigan and Penn state, the records aren't that dissimilar. I think Penn state is three and four against them over the last seven years. But the games themselves have been lopsided for the most part, uh, yeah. just because it the the timing has not aligned, I don't think, between when they've been good as programs. So do you have a, a set time when you release your game pick? Because <laughs> Leonard Monroe viewers know yeah. me as somebody who I hold mine until Friday morning. I'm very intentional about it. Yeah. Uh, do you give a game pick? And will you give a game pick right now on Thursday at, uh, you know, when this show comes out? Uh, yeah, I, so I have not given a pick. We, we have one that we do, um, you know, we kind of do in the middle of the week. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it comes out on when it doesn't matter. Point is like I'll pick Penn or I'll pick Ohio state. Like I'll pick Ohio state to win. I don't have a score for you though. Like I, I couldn't, I don't know. Like I, I, I think, I think that Penn State can at least make it a competitive game, um, but you know, Michigan was, uh, yes, a little bit of a mismatch, um, and when I say a little bit, a lot of a mismatch, <laughs> a lot of a mismatch. I mean, it was, it was ugly at times, but also not. It was a seventeen sixteen game at half. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that crazy or a 16 14 game at half like it wasn't that crazy uh and then it got crazy you know so so i'll be i'll be interested to see like it's it's last week against minnesota was a bounce back do they have the con like is there is there that trajectory that storyline of hey uh you know not gonna let what happened at michigan happen again 
I don't know. We'll see. It will be my first trip to Happy Valley 2020 game. I, I didn't uh, make right. a trip. Started back yeah. in 2019, like I said. So first time heading up there. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. The, the stripe out, whatever whatever the Penn State fans are deciding to do, Beaver Stadium is going to be rocking. Uh, should be a fun time, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Go check out Nate's work at Blue and White Illustrated. It is, they, they do great stuff over there, uh, team stuff, recruiting stuff. If you want your Penn State fill, uh, you know, make sure to keep up with James Franklin, those guys. Make sure to go check those guys out. <laughs> they, the people listening to this, they don't want their Penn State fill. They want their <laughs> Ohio State fill, man. But, well, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. These fans care just as much about what Michigan and Penn State do than what Ohio State. I promise. And <laughs> and if they don't, if they don't, then they're lying because I know that I see comments all the time. We're, we'll struggle against Penn State and Michigan if we play like this. So I know they care. But that's going to wrap it up for everything. Thank you so much for your time again. I'm Spencer. That's Nate. Uh, Saturday, twelve o'clock, Beaver Stadium. We'll see you guys there.